evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. And this show is unlike any other in radio, especially weekend radio, unlike the normal brokered crap. This is real. We're not selling you anything. We're heard on 15 different stations throughout the country. Our Flagship station is in Los Angeles. I broadcast just outside of Los Angeles. Leah Brandon, my co-host, comes at us from Alabama in Birmingham, where we'll be on on several stations in the next month or so. Uh, For those who have never heard us before, we're on in Atlanta area, Cleveland, Akron, Greenville, South Carolina, Houston, Los Angeles on KRLA, Louisville on WHAS, my old station there, New York City, Orlando, Philadelphia, where I grew up, Pittsburgh, Reno, Sacramento, San Diego, Sarasota, and Seattle. And, of course, it wouldn't be the John and Leah show without Leah Brandon. How are you this evening, Leah? I'm doing fantastically. How are you? Wow, that's a little too enthusiastic. Wow. Good for is there a I'm re- t- I have had the best weekend. Really? Why? Tell I me. Have. Please tell okay. me. You're going to die if I actually tell you why. Because I got my brand new vacuum cleaner. <laughs> what? Yes. See, I, I got my new vacuum cleaner and it came with a free steam mop. I don't know how I've lived up until this Wait, point. That is the reason you are in a fantastic mood and had a great weekend. You got a new vacuum cleaner. My house is spotless. I'm wow. so thrilled. I'm so happy. See, that to me is a perfect example of how expectations dictate everything in life. <laughs> the, the, the key to a happy life is low expectations. So good for you, Leah Thank Brandon. You. Um, before we get into uh, all the stuff we're going to talk about tonight, and it's going to be a lot of stuff that you will not want to miss, uh, I do feel obligated to at least address uh, Tiger Woods since, um, you know, as you know, Leah, I'm not a celebrity, not even close, but I'm known to small groups of people across the country and the world for many different things, one of which is Tiger Woods and my oh, yeah. love-hate uh, relationship with Tiger. I said last week that his his career as a top golfer was now not only in a casket, but that casket was encased in cement. And he came into today with a very good chance of actually winning a PGA Tour event, although definitely a second or third class level uh, PGA Tour event. And so I took a lot of heat from people saying, whoa, Zig, yeah, you you got (laughs) it wrong, Zig. He's coming back. He's coming back. Look out. Here comes Tiger Woods. And I and I was not very worried because, as I have said to you numerous times in the 10 month history of this program, where we have intermittently discussed Tiger Woods when he comes up in conversation and in the news with his massive slump, I have told you that he has a virus. He yes. has a he has a very deeply embedded virus. Now, with any virus, you might be able to contain it for a while. You you might be able to act normally for a while. You might feel pretty good for a while. You might be symptom free yeah, for a little while. For a little while, but under pressure and when the chips are down, eventually that virus is going to reach up and grab you. And <laughs> it, this kryptonite virus that uh, Tiger has, which is both physical 
It's mental, and it's also psychological. There's no question about it. Uh, It's embedded in there, and today uh, that virus uh, came out screaming, and uh, he took a triple bogey on the 11th hole and ended up tied for 10th when the old Tiger would have won for sure. Now his season is over, and uh, I stand by my prediction that his career as the uh, anywhere near the best golfer in the world is not only in a casket, but that casket is still encased in cement. All right, now we've got a ton to get to. Uh, during this program, uh, we're going to talk about, obviously, uh, the developments with regard to Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden now being edged into the race. Is that going to happen? I know, understand your view on Hillary has changed. It we're, has. We're going to get to that, uh, as well as, of course, uh, our now weekly segment or segments on Donald Trump. My view of the GOP race has been altered. I'll explain why. The Ashley Madison Hacking, we will talk about, as well as the charges against Jared Fogle, the former Subway spokesperson. In hour number three, uh, we're going to devote probably the entire hour to my trip to Pennsylvania this week. Uh, That's going to be interesting. Yeah, you will not want to miss that. Um, I went to Pennsylvania this week uh, at great personal peril. I mean that literally. And on my own dime to try to figure out what really happened in the so-called Penn State scandal. And regardless of whether you care about that story or not, you will not want to miss hour number three uh, because it was a fascinating and classic Ziggler stuff. Uh, not sure I'll give an update on my marriage, which I talked about in hour number three of last week's show, which you, you can know, That's what most people really care about. Oh, I know. They want to hear. Oh, I know, and and that's why I'm referring them to the podcast. So you can check out our <laughs> podcast, hour number three, at our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. Uh, if you were curious about my marriage and my all-too-honest take on it last week in hour number three, go to our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com, and check out the podcast. But the, my marriage is basically like the stock market was this week. And, mm. and speaking of the stock market, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to an, an old friend of mine who actually predicted to me what was going to happen this week with the stock market taking a big old crap. Uh, we'll do that and get started on this edition of the John and Leah Show when we return right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler and she is Leah Brandon. And uh, Leah, you know, um, I've been wondering for quite a while how in the world the stock market is as high as it has been. And, it's fake. I, and I'm an, well, I don't know about that, but and I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm not a big investor, but I have a little money in the stock market. And I keep thinking there's no way this this can continue on. It's been too high for too long. And the underlying fundamentals, as far as the real economy is concerned, don't seem to match it. And I got a text from an old friend, in fact, one of my oldest friends, uh, a little over a week ago, sending me an article that was basically trying to forward the narrative that, boy, you know, the stock market is rock solid. No matter no matter what happens, it just keeps bouncing back. And he was basically, my friend was mocking this idea. And, you know, he's worked in financial institutions in New York and London for almost 30 years and blue chip financial firms. And he's been a private investor. And 
And he, he called it absolutely dead right. I mean, he, you know, because this week was an absolute travesty. Um, the, the stock market is now basically in correction mode. And so I figured we'd have him on to to basically take, Excellent. take a, a victory lap and maybe explain what the heck's going on here. Now, I, I'm going to introduce him a little bit differently than I would normally because um, we went to high school together and uh, he played on the basketball team. And I did the introductions for the basketball game. So please welcome to the John and Leah show, Dave Patruco. <laughs> Dave, are you there? You got to be kidding. Me. Wow. 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 I haven't heard, I haven't heard that announcement since I like, sat down at the dinner table with my wife tonight. It's been about three hours. <laughs> All right. How are you, Dave? Doing great, John. Leah, how are you? Hello there. Thank you. All right. Uh, so, Dave, how did you um, know that we were headed towards this level of a correction? Or did you know? Did you just get lucky? Uh, well, look, you know, John, everyone likes to, t- you know, if you say something's going to happen long enough in most markets or, you know, any any situation in life, eventually you'll be right. But the, the way I approach finance, and I've been doing this a long time in New York City and around the world, as you know, I try to keep things incredibly simple because it's so complicated. So as soon as the Chinese government started to say that they were slowing down and their growth rate started to slow materially, and those reports come from the Chinese, and I've always sat back and said, what are the chances the Chinese government is ever telling us the truth? I never believe any of the numbers coming out or the stories. And when they start to say their numbers are showing you it's slowing, it gets scary. Then they devalue their currency, which is what we did and basically what the European, you know, Western European countries are doing um, in order to stimulate exports to make their products cheaper. And I think to myself, oh, God, what's going on? And I read stats about all the Chinese citizens that have levered. The, they borrowed lots and lots of money to invest in the stock market, to invest in real estate. I look at Western Europe. They keep focusing us on Greece. Yeah, Greece is a meltdown, but Greece isn't the problem. The problem is Spain and Italy and other countries, but they keep ch- turning your head away from the real problem. They've made no fundamental reform to their economic society, nor have we. We're just borrowing more money. So, look, I, I don't want to turn this into a 20-minute sol- soliloquy, but I look at this and I say we are trading the stock markets now based purely on what governments are doing in China Western Europe and the U.S., they seem to be out of bullets. They seem to be getting desperate. They can't lower rates anymore. They really can't issue any more debt. They can't buy any more bonds from other countries. And I think, you know, when things things can't continue in life, they don't. The only thing we're going to debate is how long. And so for the last few months, personally, I put a lot of my money in gold, which I know is not your favorite place to put money, but just, just a place that I considered safe. Because I just looked around me and said, this isn't going to go on much longer. All right, so there are two basic schools of thought. I'm sure there's more than that, but there's there's basically two schools of thought, which is that a correction is good, that we're still in a bull market, and that you know this isn't even technically a correction yet, and that uh, in the long run, this is healthy. And then there's the other school, which is uh, eventually this is all going to go to complete crap, and we the bottom may fall out of this eventually. Which school are you in, Dave? Well, I'll, I'll give you two competing forces now. Here, here's a little bit of an inside baseball view on Wall Street. When all the big boys and girls leave in August to go to the Hamptons, they clear out their positions. They don't want to have to worry about it while they're on vacation, which is right now. There are no buyers in the marketplace 
and large, and the market often falls in August. So as I sit back and look at the markets fall in the U.S., I think to myself, you know what, it's just the rich kids out there playboying around in the Hamptons. Um, they, they got rid of their positions in August. They're not really worried about this. They'll come back in September, October, and the markets will rally. Well, before I got on the, the phone with you, I looked, uh, took a quick peek over at Asia, and some of the Asian markets are off 5% this morning on top of what they already fell last week. That is a very, very material move. Um, that causes all kinds of problems, economic and political in China, John. So, look, you know, I, I'm much more of a cynic in the economic world like maybe you are in the political world. Um, you know, a, a little bit more of this for another few days, another week or so, and I will start to, think, start, start to get to a place where I will get as concerned as I was around 2007, 2008. Um, it, it, this feels to me like it's a lot more than people on vacation who are too busy to come in and do their jobs on Wall Street. Now, I'm of the belief, Dave, that if we do get into panic, Situation, which we're not there yet. I mean, there's been a little bit of panic selling, but nowhere near, even you know, even what we saw in 2008. If we get there, as you know, I don't trust the news media at all, and I think that the news media will facilitate and foster and pour gasoline on any fire of a meltdown because it's a good story, and that this will create a negative psychology. Now, whether this is going to happen in the next few days, next few weeks, or months, I don't know, but eventually it's going to happen. I believe. Do you agree with me on that? I do, and you know, look, I, I try to keep things financial. I'll try to keep it financial in this mm -hmm. conversation, Leah. You know, it, it gets challenging with John sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've known him a lot no, longer than you really? have. No, really? So I've known him a lot longer <laughs> than you have. But you know what, John? If, if George Bush was in office, I think the gasoline would have been poured on the fire already, and they would have been trumpeting it day and night. I do yes. think that there is some, you know, restrictor plate on their willingness to go there. But when they wake up tomorrow morning and find that if the Asian markets continue to be down 4 or 5%, 6% on top of what they were down at the tail end next week, they're going to go there. I, I will tell you a couple reasons why it may not be as bad as it was in 2008, 2009. The markets are very, very thinly traded. Put simply, there aren't as many retail investors in buying and selling stocks as there used to be. People have lost faith in the market. They don't trust it. They see the markets. They see the flash crash. They see the market shut down for hours. They see all this nonsense with the Fed saying things that moves the market in different directions. It doesn't feel like an economic reality anymore. It feels like a political reality. So I think, A, there's a lot of people who are not in the market, uh, so they have nothing to pull out. And B, I also think people were so shocked by what happened in 09 that they have developed some calluses, and they're not going to be as willing to panic as they were in 09, because that came after seven or eight years of unprecedented, fictitious, but unprecedented growth where people just thought the world was going to be shiny forever. So not as many people trading. People have seen this before. I don't think it will be their first instinct to panic. But I will say this. If they do panic, given the Fed just can't turn around and lower interest rates and can't just print another trillion-dollar Obama stimulus program, the Fed really has limited tools, as do the Feds in Western Europe, the effective Fed, as do the Chinese right now. That really could create some problems because you can't just hug everybody, throw a Band-Aid on it, and tell them the Fed's coming to fix it. 
Well, but of course, if all else fails, we do have the the last resort of we have a great president. So we know that he he can fix it all, and that'll keep me uh, you know sleeping well at night. Dave Petruco, uh, great to talk to you as always. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Okay. Have a good show. Bud. Thank you, Dave. Uh, all right. Bye, Leah. Talk soon. That's uh, Dave Petruco, my high school buddy, uh, who predicted this week's uh, crap of the uh, stock market. When we come back, we'll get to the political news, and there's a lot to discuss on the John and Leah Show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. The website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. We're heard on 15 different major radio stations throughout the country from New York City to Los Angeles, California. That's where Leah Brandon and I met back in 2004 when we did an evening weekday show on KFI in Los Angeles. Our Los Angeles flagship is KRLA, which we're very excited about. Been on there for a few weeks now. And you can find out more at our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com. Now, we turn to our weekly look at the race to the White House 2016. We'll start with the Democratic side because so much focus, Leah, has been on Hillary Clinton's seemingly, if not imploding, clearly softening campaign all revolving around distrust over her handling of the so-called email situation. And this is a, a complex story, far too complex for the average news media member or citizen of the United States of America. We now live in a country, a nation of nitwits, and the, <laughs> the average voter, this is way over their heads. But um, And lying politicians, of, like there's never been before. <laughs> of course. But the, uh, the Washington Free Beacon... Uh, has put together a, a little over a two-minute-long uh, tape that I think really encapsulates well the entire Hillary Clinton email situation. And because, well, frankly, we're a little lazy, and two, we have no production budget here on the John and Leah show, uh, and three, because it's really well done, we're just going to play this clip from Washington Free Beacon to get you up to date on this entire story. And listen carefully to the rather unusual and I think unanticipated by the Hillary Clinton campaign skepticism and cynicism on the part of liberal media members in this tape. Play it. The problem for Hillary Clinton that will not go away. In a way reminds me of the Nixon tapes. I did not email any classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Emails from Hillary Clinton's server contain classified information. I am confident that I never sent nor received any information that was classified at the time it was sent and received. Their review of just 40 of 30,000 emails found four of them had classified information. Are you confident that those four emails were not classified at the time that you were transmitting them, sending them and receiving them? Yes. The messages were classified when they were sent and are classified now. I'm certainly well aware uh, of the uh, classification uh, requirements and uh, 
did not uh, send classified material. 305 documents flagged? Right, that's, uh, that's pretty much what it means, Luke. I did not receive anything that was marked as classified. That, we are told, is not the legal standard. I've never had a subpoena. Uh, you did get one in March. Couldn't, couldn't be more plain, the Honorable Hillary R. Clinton. And you think the American public is that stupid? The server um, will remain uh, private. Hillary Clinton turning her private email server over to the Justice Department. She has insisted she was not going to turn over that private server. The campaign continues to say that this is not a criminal investigation. We decided to call the FBI. They said all of our investigations are criminal. I don't throw anything away. Did you wipe the server? What, like with a cloth or something? I don't know. Clinton has said she wiped the server clean. You tried to wipe the whole server. You didn't have to. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, I have no idea. I thought it would be easier to carry just one device for my work and for my personal emails. I have a, an iPad, a mini iPad, an iPhone, and a Blackberry. What I did was legally permitted. Clinton private email violated clear-cut State Department rules. This is the usual... Um, partisanization, which I may have just made up a word. It's hard to claim this is all just a partisan witch hunt when the Justice Department under a Democratic administration is looking into the whole email mess. It's not anything that people talk to me about as I travel around the country. It shouldn't go away on the substance, and voters do care about it. I recently launched a Snapchat account. I love it. Those messages disappear all by themselves. Thank you all very much. This issue isn't going to go away. Nobody talks to me about it, other than you guys. <laughs> All right, now, I, I, we played that even though it's a video, uh, because the audio really speaks for itself. But the very last snippet there is Hillary walking away from the press as dismissively and arrogantly as she can possibly do. Yeah. And um, no one's talking about this except for you guys. And there's some truth to that. But here's why I want to focus on that for a second, Leah. Do you agree with me that the fundamental miscalculation, let's let's see for a second Hillary has handled this horribly because she's a terrible candidate, all right? I mean, that's that's the number one thing, that she just doesn't have the magic touch. She does not have Bill's touch. She does not have Barack's touch. She doesn't even have Biden's touch for getting out of stuff. So she she is just not good at this. But I think there was a fundamental miscalculation that the news media would do their bidding, their blocking for her. And I think they're stunned, even though the news media hasn't, you know, been like sharks on this, that they've at least kept the story going. And as we heard in the tape there, they have been much more cynical than I think the Clinton campaign anticipated. Do you agree with me on that? Absolutely, I agree. I mean, because, look, if Benghazi never happened, this never happens. And and during Benghazi, who covered for Hillary Clinton? It was the mainstream media. And so she thought for sure she was going to get away with this. And now, but you're changing your mind on whether or not she will. Because last week you were of the mindset, and I agreed with you, that that the most likely scenario here was that while there would be damage to her, that she would eventually be somewhat pseudo-exonerated and that the news right. media would be able to say, oh, well, she's moved on. She's, you know, she's been able to survive this. This is right. old news now. You no longer believe that. No, I don't think she's going to get away with it. And when uh, you say I not get she... away with it, what do you mean? And What's going to happen? She's doing so badly in the polls and so badly handling the media 
uh, and and the questions coming to her, she just looks like a terrible candidate. I think Barack Obama, like you said last week, is going to cut her head off. Well, I said cut her throat, but you know, my because you know, cutting the throat is a little bit, uh, you know, less ISIS, less ISIS, yes, less ISIS like. <laughs> <laughs> than decapitation, <laughs> and um, and it's also a little bit more dramatic. You know, there, there's a little bit. It's a little bit more subtle. <laughs> if you just kind of slice someone's jugular vein and watch them slump over in your arms, that feels a little bit more Barack to me than okay. you know, de, than de, you know, an ISIS-like decapitation. Now, uh, interestingly, this week the Democrat who got by far, <laughs> this is so funny, by far the most publicity for talking negatively about the Hillary Clinton email, quote-unquote, scandal, whatever you want to call it, and her campaign's handling of it, is my good friend Congressman John Yarmuth from Louisville, Kentucky, where we're heard on WHAS, my old radio station there in Louisville, where they're very familiar with uh, Congressman Yarmuth. And um, when we come back, I want to talk about what John said and how it got played by the news media and where this is all going with regard to the very hot rumors tonight that Joe Biden is now leaning towards getting into the race, something I have been predicting for the last couple of weeks. We'll get to that when we return on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. Continuing with our weekly look at the race to the White House 2016. First, the Democratic side and the crisis involving Hillary Clinton, which may provoke Joe Biden to get in the race. Those are the rumors tonight. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, Leah, one of the more interesting rules of the political game that I don't think the average citizen fully understands is that to the news media, it's not really a scandal. You're not really in trouble until and unless somebody from, from your own team says that you are. And this is why it's so much easier for Republicans to get in trouble, because every conservative or Republican has a huge incentive to throw another Republican under the bus because there's 90 percent of the news media willing and ready to embrace whichever Republican jump ranks and give them all sorts of love. Right. Oh, they're all also all of a sudden a hero. Right. They're a hero. This is, you know, Colin Powell every four years when he endorses the Democrat. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so this that's the way the game works. It doesn't usually happen the other direction. Because when a Democrat does it, they don't usually get any media love. In fact, i.e. Joe Lieberman, they often get destroyed. Yes, they do. Well, interestingly, this week, my good friend, Congressman John Yarmouth from Louisville, with with whom I used to host a TV show when I was in Louisville a little bit over a decade ago, and we've remained very close friends ever since. You've gotten to know him pretty well through, through his many appearances on this show. He made a statement that was really pretty obvious. That, look, Hillary's not been handling this well, and it's possible that if it continues to go badly, this could disrupt her campaign or even disqualify her from being the nominee. But he expected her to still be the nominee, and 
I believe he said he supported her as the nominee as of right now. Now, that's not terribly controversial, right? In a rational No, it's order. not. Not at all. And, but but here's, the, here's the interesting part. Normally, this goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment, where Hillary has miscalculated, and frankly, I miscalculated, how much the media was going to be willing to block for her on this email thing. Ordinarily, when a Democrat says that, and he said it, by the way, on a local TV station in Louisville. So it wasn't like, you know, we had to, the national wasn't news, Fox News. Right. Or wasn't <laughs> wasn't face the nation or meet the press or something like that. Where there, there was no way to ignore it. Uh, the media wanted to talk about this and Drudge helped it get play, but he wasn't the only one. Anyway, long story short, it got huge play. It got reported all over the place. Um, John was quite shocked by this because he did not expect it, anticipate it. This wasn't as if he was making a dramatic move to separate himself from Hillary Clinton. And then one of the funniest elements of the whole thing is that both on Fox News as well as in U.S. News and World Report, which got picked up all over the place, John was referred to as a, quote, Republican or conservative-leaning Democrat. Now, Good gosh, they have no idea who he is. Now, that's the part that might be the most significant element of the whole story, because that shows you how broken the news media is. These are major media outlets, and all the only research they do is, oh, let's see, John Yarmouth, let's take a look at a picture of him. Oh, he's white and looks like he plays golf, so he's not <laughs> black, um, and he's from Kentucky. So... Kentucky's a pretty conservative state. He must be conservative slash Republican leaning. That's how these morons work, folks. Yeah, that's it how is. it works. That is that is that the most they look at his picture and what state he's from and decide, oh, conservative Republican leaning, which of course in this case was was used to diminish, ironically, to diminish the power of his criticism of Hillary. Well, the reality is, and as John sold to me today, he says. That's particularly funny because on the rankings, I'm more liberal than Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's he's as liberal or oh, I kid with him all the time, socialist as it gets, and yet he's referred to as conservative Republican leaning <laughs> because in that particular situation, it helped the narrative because this wasn't you know this wasn't like someone super close to Hillary. Well, frankly, um, you know, Bill Clinton has done events for John back when he was running for Congress the first time. Uh, you know, this was. He's he's not anti-Hillary. He anticipates being a Hillary delegate, but he doesn't know yet because it's still possible that somebody else might get in the race, like, for instance, Uncle Joe Biden. And that's where I want to head next, because for a couple of weeks now, I have been saying, based upon the way the media is handling Hillary, the way, handle, way Hillary is handling the media, and the way her poll numbers are softening as as delusional and narcissistic as Joe Biden is, it's going to be really, really tough for him to stay out of the race. And tonight we have the Wall Street Journal indicating that Joe Biden, after meeting um, uh, with uh, with this, with Senator, um, oh my God, Elizabeth Warren. Warren. Elizabeth Warren. I can't believe I forgot her name since I, I created the Native American. I created a T-shirt. <laughs> With her her visage, her face on the Washington Redskins logo at RedskinsT-shirt.com. If you want to see that, Redskins, the letter T, shirt, RedskinsT-shirt.com. Elizabeth Warren, uh, they, they met over the weekend. And what was very interesting about their meeting, Leah, is that it immediately leaked. See, now, if there, that means the leak was on purpose, 
right? Of course it was. So so they purposefully leaked it. It's not as if this got out that a week ago or three weeks ago they met. This was immediate. And so this means that it was on purpose. It also means that the meeting went well. And the fact now that there are major media outlets reporting that Biden is leaning towards running. He's running. I think he's running. Because you don't put that out there, because that's on purpose as well. You don't put that out there unless, because now if he doesn't, I mean, he still has a little bit of, of room to back out. But he's it's getting close to where it's going to make look hit make him look bad if he does back out. But here's where this gets really interesting to me. Because, you know, a lot of people I've seen on Twitter and Facebook, the you know right-wing conservatives who are convinced Hillary's never going to be the Democratic nominee, she's toast. And I keep saying, well, folks, can we please use our brains for a second? Let's think about this. If she is toast criminally, Barack Obama would know that, right? I mean, it's his administration. So yes. he would know that. And if he knew that, if he wanted Joe Biden to know that, Joe Biden would know that. And by the way, if Obama didn't want Joe Biden to to know that, that means he doesn't want Biden to run, which means Biden got no chance. Okay, so so we we go through this narrative remotely logically. So if if Obama knows that Hillary is toast and I don't think he does, but if he did, that would mean Biden would know it. And if Biden knew she was toast, he would need to get in the race immediately. Because if he waits until after Hillary completely disintegrates, it hurts his own campaign. One, because you're running out of time and Bernie Sanders is going to be right there to, That's to, right. to run away. But more importantly, it, it creates the narrative of you're an emergency candidate, right? As opposed to deciding to run on your own and, oh, isn't this nice and convenient? My number one opponent just imploded. (laughs) That's the way you would want to do it, right? Right, If you're going to do this properly, politically, you jump in anticipating her implosion. And then when she implodes, you go, oh... Gee, so sorry that happened to you, Hillary. Goodbye. Um, that's 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 the way it would work. Now, is that possibly happening? Yes. I, it could be. It could be happening. The timing now seems to follow that narrative. If, in fact, Joe Biden gets in, let's say, right after Labor Day. If he gets in right after Labor Day, then I'm saying, okay, then maybe... Hillary really is toast and that maybe Operation Valkyrie, as I have I coined it last week, which was the attempt to get Adolf Hitler, uh, is going to be in place. And that if Joe can get close enough and the bomb goes off properly or, you know, Obama will slice her neck, as we've already referred to in this segment um, with some sort of a criminal indictment. That's all, I think, plausible and logical. But what's not logical is if Joe Biden it keeps dragging his feet because if he keeps dragging his feet, waiting to see just how vulnerable Hillary is, that means that she still has Obama administration support. And if she still has Obama administration support, she's not going to get charged or indicted. It's just not going to happen. Because- All right. So give me a time frame here because you sound like it's going to be in the next week or so. Well, he's got he has to. It's got to be right after Labor Day. I mean, nothing's going to happen before Labor Day because right. you know, the whole world's on vacation. So after Labor Day, within a week or two, he's got to make it clear 
with an announcement that he's running. Logistically, it's getting very difficult already. I mean, even even September is going to be tough. It's not easy in this day and age to put together a presidential campaign. It just isn't. I mean, you need an organ. I mean, Hillary has gotten all the donors, all the organization, the Democratic Party apparatus. I mean, she is way ahead of him. And let's face it, <laughs> Joe's got some negatives himself. He's got a lot of negatives. He happens to be an imbecile. <laughs> the people forgive him for it, whereas with her, it's calculated. And I agree that Biden's way more his his being an imbecile makes him way more likable than Hillary being completely unrelatable and untrustworthy. I get that, uh, but he doesn't have the female thing. So so now so now the great Obama Elizabeth Warren. Well, you, so you're saying that it would be a Biden Warren ticket. Of course. Yeah. I That's could, exactly what it would be. I could see that. I mean, I I could I can see that happening. But, she's got a built-in base. I mean, but, she's got a lot of supporters. But but hold on a second. But you got to remember, this goes back to my analogy of Operation Valkyrie to, to get Hitler. If you go after Hitler and you miss, <laughs> you face the firing squad, okay? <laughs> All right. He's so, out of a job anyway. <laughs> I no, no, but I'm talking about Elizabeth Warren. If Elizabeth Warren backs Joe Biden and that that (laughs) attempt fails, hell hath no fury like Hillary (laughs) Scorn. Like a Clinton. Yeah. I mean, you are dead. You are literally you are dead, Elizabeth Warren. If (laughs) if you try to pull this off and it doesn't work. Good luck. Good luck. By the way, remember that T-shirt. (laughs) RedskinsTshirt.com. <laughs> Go to that website. If for no other reason, you get to see the hilarious logo, the Redskins logo with her face on it. And you get to see my daughter modeling the T-shirt. So that's worth it. Redskins, the letter T, shirt.com. When we come back, we'll turn to the GOP race, about which I'm starting to change my mind on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 